Good morning. Please join me in our responsive reading printed in your worship folder and on the screen titled Healing. God of healing, we bring our prayers to you. Remind the fearful ones that fragile people shall yet dream dreams. Remind those aching for others that one day the lame shall leap for joy, the blind shall see, and the dead shall hear. What can we believe, O God? That the strength of your healing comes in the midst of our deepest heartaches, in our shimmering joys, and in our crushing sorrows. God, whose steadfastness outshines the sun, we lean upon your steady love. Amen. morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here this morning. We welcome you into uh, 
the house of the Lord this morning as we worship God together and hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Um, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets so on, the, on the, the inside of each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to pass it down the aisle um, so that we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out every Thursday, uh, please give us your email address. That's a good way to keep up with the opportunities for service and worship and and uh, activities of fellowship that we have here at Community Baptist Church. So uh, please be sure to give us your email address, and we'll put you on that list to, uh, uh, so that you can keep up with that. We're glad that you're here today, and it's good to, uh, to be in God's house with God's people. So let's uh, share that love with one another by standing and greeting each other in the name of the Lord. Okay, as we are finding our seats, children, come on down. We have our children's moment. Miss Christine is going to lead in our children's moment. Come, come on down, kids. talk with the adults in church today uh, about a story from the Bible about a man who's he's very sick and some of his friends decide that they want to take him to see Jesus because they know Jesus can heal him and so they put him on a um, they, they call it a mat I think yeah they call it a mat in the scripture and I would think of that kind of like maybe as a rug like this that they put him on and then four people, four men, they each picked up a corner to try to carry him to Jesus. I was thinking about that this morning. Think of someone here in our congregation was really sick and we needed to take them to the doctor. But we didn't have a car or any way to get them there, so we as a group are going to have to carry them there. And um, we use, for example, Mr. Mr. John Dunham here. Stand up, John. Okay, now, John's kind of a tall fella. So, <laughs> he, and he's, he's bigger than any of us, isn't he? 
Okay, you can sit down. So say we had to put him, I don't think he'd fit on this rug, but let's say we're going to put him on that rug over there. And just us, me and you children and, and Miss Mary here, we're going to carry him to the doctor. Say we're going to take him to Dr. Henry's office. Dr. Henry's office is over by Atkinson Park. So we're going to get him on that rug, and then we're all going to grab a corner of the rug, and then we're going to have to walk him all the way down Pebble Creek Drive. Then we're going to have to walk up the highway, up uh, Green Street, and then we're going to have to go, let's say we hit Barrett Boulevard, we're going to go all the way down Barrett Boulevard, and then we get to 41, and then we've got to figure out a way to get across 41, and we're carrying him all this way. Don't you think we get pretty tired? Don't you think he'd get pretty heavy? Not anything personal against you. (laughs) But that load would start to get pretty heavy after a while. And if one of us lets go of our corner, what's going to happen? He would fall. That's right. And he's sick, so we want to get him to the doctor. So we finally make it all the way over to Dr. Henry's office, over back at some park. And we get there, and the place is so crowded that we can't get in. And we got to get our friend in to see the doctor. We can't get in the door. So we see some stairs that are leading up the side of the building, and we think, well, why don't we climb up those stairs, and we'll get on the roof, and maybe there's a way we can lower him down into the building to see the doctor. So we get up on the roof. Well, there's no way to get him in through the roof, so we decide we're going we're gonna to make a hole in the roof. So we make a hole in the roof, And we lower him down, and he finally gets to see the doctor. And by this point, we're really tired. We've gone a long way. We've gone through a lot of obstacles to get our friend in there to see the doctor. But we were faithful. And hopefully, the doctor can help him to get better. And we've got lots of people that we know in our lives. Maybe they're not sick physically. Maybe, uh, like the person in the story, they're, they're not sick or ailing in any way. But maybe they have not talked with Jesus for a while. Or maybe they haven't had anybody in their life who has shown them the kind of love that Jesus wants us to show other people. So as a body of believers, we're supposed to work together. We're all supposed to grab a corner of that rug. And we're supposed to help to try to carry them to Jesus so that Jesus can help them. And sometimes on that road, it's a long road, and sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we run into obstacles. It doesn't always go the way we think it's going to go. We might have to start all over again. Sometimes we get frustrated. But as Community Baptist Church, our motto is being the presence of Christ, serving a world in need. And so we're to grab a corner of that rug and we're to hold on tight and we're to keep going. Okay? So let's have a prayer. Lord, we just ask you to help us to be faithful in our walk. Um, We ask you as a body of believers to give us strength when we get frustrated and when we meet those obstacles, Lord. And to just grab a corner of the rug and just keep on going and don't let go. In your name we pray. Amen.
scripture reading for today is Mark 2, verse 1 through 12. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in the front door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or say, Stand up and take your mat and walk. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this.
Jesus, please help us to be faithful in our giving, and please help us to be thankful for the things that we have and not want for things that we do not need. Also, please help us to remember that with anything, with you, anything is possible. Amen.
about the majestic Holy One, our God. There was an interesting story that came out of Russia not uh, too long ago. It seems that there was a, a Russian teenager who was not able to get a ticket to see his favorite rock group perform in a concert. So he shocked those who did have a ticket by falling through the roof of the auditorium in the middle of the concert. He broke both of his legs, but that did not deter him from staying until the end of the concert. It, it seems that this unidentified 16-year-old uh, attempted to climb into the concert through a rooftop ventilation hatch, but the hatch collapsed, and he fell into the concert hall. And doctors wanted to hospitalize him right away, but he refused to be moved until the end of the concert. Interesting story. But doesn't that remind you of our story from Mark this morning about the man who was lowered through the roof of the house by his friends in order, to, in order that he might see Jesus? As we have noted before, in today's vernacular, Jesus was a rock star. 
especially when he first began his ministry. He was so popular, people crowded around him, uh, and, and they would not leave him alone. He had a hard time just finding a time to be by himself. People crowded around him all the time. And in today's lesson, it contains just another example of just how popular he was. Our story is set in the city of Capernaum. And when the people of Capernaum found out that Jesus was back in town, they gathered in such large numbers at the house where he was staying that there was no room left, even outside of the door. And so he preached the word of God's kingdom to them in that house. But while he was preaching, four men came to that house carrying a paralyzed friend of theirs on a mat. And since they couldn't get to Jesus because the crowds of people were so thick surrounding him, they made a hole in the roof to lower the man down before Jesus. Now, that's determination. It's really quite, a, quite an amusing story, if you think about it. Jesus was, was preaching, and overhead, these four men were digging a hole through the roof. Now, most houses in those days were built with flat roofs that were accessible by a staircase on the outside. People would use the roof for work, and on hot nights, they would sleep on the top of the house, on the top of the roof there. And the roofs were designed to be quite sturdy, but this particular roof was no match for the determination of these four men. They were determined to get their friend to Jesus. Now, Think about how distracting this must have been while these men were digging a hole through the roof as a worship service was going, down, going on down below. Can't you imagine the, the sticks and the tile and the straw and the, and the debris and the clay was falling on people as, on the inside of the house while they were trying to listen to, to Jesus teach? I'm not sure that I, what I would do if, uh, if I were sitting here preaching and all of a sudden somebody opened up a hole in our roof and rappelled down, uh, uh, it, it, it'd be pretty uh, distracting. But Jesus seemed to handle it pretty well. When they finished making the hole, these men lowered the mat with their friend lying on it. And Mark tells us that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And that's an interesting statement for several reasons. First of all, notice that, that Jesus does not scold them for interrupting their worship service. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. I'm not sure any of us would have responded with so much grace. But the second reason the story is so fascinating is because of what Jesus says about faith. In other places, Jesus tells people that they were healed because they themselves had faith. On many occasions, he says to people, your faith has made you well. But this man was healed by the faith of his friends. Now think about that. You are fortunate indeed if you have friends who are people of faith. You are a fortunate person if your friends are people of faith, friends who are praying for you, friends who are encouraging you, friends who are helping you. 
How much is a good friend worth? A lot. One evening, an alcoholic named Mark told an AA group that he often felt the need to to have a drink in the middle of the night. And, And Mark knew that he had to find a way to keep from drinking because his alcoholism was a matter of life and death for him. And so he sought the help of his fellow alcoholics at the AA meeting. He told the other members at the meeting that he he said, I'm going to pass my phone book around the room. And and, and if any of you wouldn't mind getting a call from me in the middle of the night, please jot down your name and telephone number. And Mark emphasized that that if they had any misgivings, he didn't want them to put their their phone number in his book. I want to be able to call you without feeling guilty, he explained. And, and of course, if you don't want to be disturbed in the middle of the night, I understand that. You don't have to sign the book. Well, as he passed the book around, the book circulated around the room, and he, he saw people digging into their pockets and into their purses to, to pull out pens and pencils. And, and the room was silent as he waited for the phone book to return to him. And Mark couldn't help but to wonder how many people would actually sign his book. Then after the last man signed the book and handed it back to Mark, Mark opened the book and he began to cry. You see, he discovered that he had some really, really good friends. Lots of them. Fifty-six people were at that meeting. And fifty-six people signed his book. Now, do you think Alcoholics Anonymous would be so successful if it was simply a meeting every week for educational purposes? If that's all it was? No. It succeeds so well because of the dedication of its members to one another. And that's how much a friend is worth. Some of you may have been fans of the television show a while back uh, called The West Wing. It ran for a number of years, starring Martin Sheen as President of the United States, uh, Jeb Bartlett. And there was one episode in which Deputy Chief of Staff Josh Lyman had been shot and wounded when the presidential party was attacked. And Josh's physical wounds healed pretty well, but his psychological wounds were a little more difficult to deal with. In fact, several weeks later, he was behaving erratically and wildly and dangerously. And so the president ordered him to be interviewed by a traumatologist, a person who is who specializes in helping people who is who have been through a a serious trauma in their lives. Well, in this interview, Josh allowed his vulnerability to surface. But then he was afraid that he would lose his job because of what he had revealed. So after the interview, he finds his boss, Leo McGarry, who himself has battled with alcoholism, waiting for him patiently outside of the door. Josh hesitantly admits his extreme behavior brought on by by the trauma that he had experienced. And and this leads Leo to tell Josh a story. And this is the story he he tells him. He said, this guy's walking down the street and he falls into a hole. And the walls to this hole are so steep that he can't get get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, hey, doc, can you help me out? 
And so the doctor writes out a prescription and throws it down into the hole, moves on. And then a priest comes by and the guy shouts up, hey, father, can you help me out? I'm down in this hole. And so the priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole, moves on. And then a friend walks by and the guy says, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps down in the hole with him. And so the first guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both in the hole. But the friend replies, yeah. But I've been down here before. And I know how to get out. My friends, there is healing in having a friend that you can count on. Someone who not only knows the way out, but who cares enough to get down into the hole with you. And of course, Jesus is that kind of friend to everyone who calls on him. This paralyzed man evidently had friends like that as well. You see, he cared, or they cared enough not only to, to bring him to Jesus, but to do whatever it took to get him close enough to Jesus so that Jesus, Jesus could heal him. And Jesus was impressed by that. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, he said to, to the man, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's an interesting thing for Jesus to say. Jesus praises the man's friend's faith. But he heals the man by assuring him that his sins have been forgiven. So does that mean that there's some kind of a connection between health and sin? Often when Jesus heals someone, he does so by Assuring them that they are forgiven. So what is this link between sickness and sin? Well, it certainly doesn't mean that sickness is some kind of a punishment for sin. Do not hear me say that today. The book of Job dispensed with that notion a long time before Jesus ever came onto the scene. Sickness is not a punishment for sin, but in some cases it is a consequence of sin. You see, sin is is always destructive. And it can be destructive not only for the soul, but also for the body. It can can take its toll on our bodies as well. The Bible never makes light of sin because sin is something that that tears down. It's something that destroys and, and causes pain to the heart of God and to humanity. It produces all kinds of negative emotions like guilt and Resentment and anger and anxiety and and these kinds of emotions have a tendency to eat away at our souls and and even our bodies. So even though we may not be aware of it, sin is always destructive. Maybe this analogy will help. Dr. Paul Brand was the, the first medical authority to say that the loss of fingers and toes from leprosy is not due to the leprosy itself, but due to the the infections and the injuries that that lepers fall prey to. For years, it had been assumed that that some kind of a decaying process caused the appendages to 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 drop off. But Dr. Brand showed that major tissue damage occurs because the patient loses the warning of pain 
You see, leprosy acts like a like a shot of Novocaine. It, It deadens that portion of the body that it affects. And so if a person with leprosy injures a toe or or a finger, that person may not even be aware of it until it's so infected that it just falls off. Dr. Marvin DeHaan, a psychiatrist, has emphasized the the parallel between leprosy and sin. He says that pain is an expression of God's grace and mercy. And so sin is not to be hated for the agony that it brings to our, our lives. But it is to be hated because, like leprosy, it has a numbing effect. Like leprosy, sin has a numbing effect. It it deadens our sense of touch with God. And it lets us live without an awareness of the injury and the infection that is slowly damaging our souls. My friends, we need to recognize the destructive nature of sin. And that includes the, the... The memory of sins that we may have committed way in our past. Of course, another word for that is guilt. Have you ever felt guilty about something? Have you ever felt guilty about something? You are a remarkable person indeed if you cannot remember some past deed that you would give just about anything to undo. Well, Jesus was aware of the link between health and sin, that link between our negative emotions and the overall wellness of our body. And so Jesus healed this man by assuring him that his sins were forgiven. And I'm sure that there is someone in this room today who would leave here a healthier person if you too knew That you are forgiven. And Christ says to you. Be healed. You are forgiven. But wait. There are some critics in the room. Mark tells us that some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Why does this guy talk like that? It's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Who does this guy think he is? Well, Jesus knew what they were thinking. and He said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately the the man got up and took his mat and left. Mark tells us that that amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. And you know, it's still pretty amazing. It's still pretty amazing, isn't it? What, What Christ can do with our lives. Christ can provide healing faith. Christ can provide healing forgiveness and and healing victory over sin and death. So let me ask you something. Is is there some secret sin in your life either now or or in your past, past that is still eating away at your soul?
Is there some deep regret that you're having a hard time letting go of? Well, here's the good news for you, folks. Jesus can help you with that. You see, Jesus can give us victory over both sin and guilt. And we're not talking about therapy here. We're not talking about Phyllis and what she does. Psychological therapy has its place, and it can be very helpful to sit down with a counselor and to, to help us deal with the issues of physical and mental pain in our lives. But Jesus didn't do therapy. He forgave sins. And that's what this man needed. He needed forgiveness. And sometimes that's what therapy does. It helps us to forgive ourselves. But this man needed forgiveness. And that forgiveness facilitated his healing. So is there some secret transgression in your life that that you'd like to have forgiven today? One woman says that she regrets how she treated her mother while she was still alive, but it's too late for her to seek her mother's forgiveness. And so that guilt just kind of hangs there. One man thinks, if, if I just hadn't betrayed my spouse... A younger man perhaps regrets the way he has poisoned his body with alcohol and drugs, as well as poisoning his relationships with his family while he was under their influence. My friends, the, the sources of regret are so numerous. So who will set us free? Well, there's only one who has the power to do that. And as your pastor, I can say to you that he is ready and willing to forgive your sins now, today. And that is our hope. I hope everyone has a friend who cares enough about them to to bring them to Jesus. Why? Because he is the only friend who can heal us and make us whole. Dr. Diane Comp is a pediatric oncologist who specializes in treating children with cancer. And through her work with suffering children, she has moved from being an atheist to a Christian. One of her favorite quotes comes from a former patient who said, For the Christian... The big C is not, Christ, is not cancer. The big C is Christ. And you know, that's true, isn't it? It's Christ. And it is indeed a fortunate person who has friends who care enough about them to bring them to Jesus. Sin remains a big problem in our lives. It produces guilt and and fear, and anger, and anxiety, and a host of other negative emotions. And those negative emotions just eat away at our well-being. But Jesus can heal us of that sin. He can take that, that guilt and, and throw it away and bury it in the, in the deepest part of the ocean where it will never emerge again. He can come into our lives and make us well again.
the big C in life is Christ. The one who forgives. The one who heals. The one who loves you more than anything else in the world. And so the question I have for you today is this. Won't you trust Him? Won't you trust Him to take your life and to take that sin away from you and to take that guilt away from you so that you can live the life that He's called you to live? A life that's full, a life that is abundant, and a life that is lived following Him. Won't you trust Him today? Amen. We have come to that part of our service where we will participate in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Communion. Communion with God. Communion with one another. And of course, the Lord's Supper is a it's a symbolic um, it's a symbolic gesture, but it's a very important gesture because you see it symbolizes the most important thing that could happen in a Christian's life, and that is the forgiveness of our sins by the sacrifice of Christ. The body of Christ is represented by the blood. I mean, by the, by the bread. The blood of Christ is represented by the cup. And so as we take the blood and the body of Christ, we are remembering the death of Christ. We are remembering the sacrifice that Christ made. And it's for our sins that he did this. It's for our sins. It is so that we don't have to hang hang. That guilt does not have to hang on to our shoulders all through our lives. But we can dispel with that. We can dispense with that. We don't have to feel guilty about the things we've done wrong. Because God has forgiven us. We don't have to allow that to, to hold us back like it does with so many people. God has turned us loose of that. And that's what the Lord's Supper tells us. It is our loosing through the blood and the body of Christ, through the death of Jesus on the cross. And so as we take the Lord's Supper today, I hope that you will think about that very seriously. Think about the healing that comes from the blood and the body of Christ. It's my prayer that the blood and body of Christ will be the balm of healing that we all need as we remember what Christ has done so that our sins can be forgiven. We will take the, the communion by, uh, by coming forward. We have the body and the blood here, the bread and the cup. There will be people standing at the front here, and we'd like to invite you to come, beginning on the back rows, come down the middle aisle, take a piece of bread, and then move to the side and dip it into the cup. And then you can return to your seats from the side, going down the side aisles. 
If there's someone who doesn't feel comfortable, maybe you're not able to come down or don't feel comfortable with this method of, um, of uh, the Lord's Supper, we will have deacons at the back moving forward and uh, with, um, with a traditional way, and, and you can take Lord's Supper that way. And as you take the, the, the bread and the cup, just go ahead and, and take it. Now I ask our deacons to come forward. We're prepared for the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which has been given for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks, he said, this is my blood that is spilled for you, the blood of a new covenant. Paul tells us that we should observe this remembrance. And the early church did it when they met every week. They observed the remembrance of what Christ did for us. And Paul says, and as much as you do this, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we do today. We remember the death of the, Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember what He has done on our behalf, that He loved us so much that He was willing to die for us so that we may have forgiveness of our sins and that we might be freed from the guilt that riddles our souls and that can even bring us physical pain and physical illness. He wants us to be healed of that. And so let us remember the death of our Lord as we take the bread and as we take the cup today. Let us remember what Christ has done for us. All are welcome at God's table. And so we invite you to come and partake of the Lord's body, the Lord's blood, as we share in remembrance today. Would you come?
have remembered today what Christ has done for us. Paul tells us that this is a demonstration of God's love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much God loves us. That even while we are sinners, even while we are doing things that we shouldn't be doing, God loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. And that's what we have remembered today in this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. We've remembered the death of Christ, which shows just how much God loves you. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Christ, to accept that loving forgiveness of Christ, and that's all it is. It's just accepting what God is already offering to you. Just saying yes to the gift that God is laying before you. God is saying, I want to forgive you. I do forgive you. And, and all you need to do is to, to accept that. And to let that burden go that's hanging around your neck. If you've never made that commitment to Christ, I hope you'll do that today. And we invite you to do that today as we sing our hymn of invitation. Or maybe there's, maybe there's someone who wants to unite with our church this morning. We invite you to come and unite with our church. Or maybe there is some burden that you've been facing and you would like to have a time of prayer about that. I'll be glad to pray with you today. We invite you to come as we sing together our hymn of invitation, I Surrender All, number 275. Would you come? seated for just a moment. Um, I just have a couple of announcements I'd like to bring to your attention, and then we have one matter of business to take care of this morning. Uh, first of all, let, let me remind everybody that tonight we're having a game night here at, uh, at the church at 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, just bring a game, bring any kind of game, and we'll, board games, and 
If you want to bring a snack, bring a snack. Uh, we'll have board games. Are we going to have Wii tonight? We're bringing Wii tonight. We're going to have cornhole set up. So it's just going to be a fun fellowship time uh, uh, this evening. We had a great time last week. We had our volleyball uh, uh, excursion or a volleyball fellowship time last week. And somebody said we had about 30 folks here. I didn't count them, about 30 people here. And we all had a great time. If you weren't here, you missed me laying out in the middle of the floor here. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm okay. <laughs> uh, but we, we had a great time, and we'll have a great time tonight, too. But we invite you to come this evening as we uh, uh, share this time of fellowship together this evening at 6 o'clock. Also, I want to let you know that on Wednesday, we're going to... Well, let me invite you to come to our Wednesday uh, service this Wednesday, we have our regular activities on Wednesday. Um, our children's activities are children's choir at 5:15, choir at 5:15, supper at 5:45, and then our um, our uh, prayer meeting time and children's missions time and youth mission time at 6:30. But this Sunday, or this Wednesday, we're going to have something a little special. We're going to have a, a prayer time. We're not going to be having a Bible study uh, like we do normally on Wednesday night. We're not going to be having a business meeting on Wednesday night. We're going to pray. We're going to spend the whole time praying, well, almost the whole time praying. Um, we're going to pre- be praying for some specific things about our church, about um, needs that we have, about people that we love. But we're going to spend the whole time praying and, and talking about prayer. And singing about prayer. And, um, and I think it's important for us to do that. Uh, because we need to be lifting up um, our, our concerns and our thoughts to God in prayer consistently. And constantly, the Bible tells us. And this is an opportunity for us as a church to do that. And it's good for us as a church to do that as well. I know you do that at home, individually. But it's good for us as a church to do that as the family of God. So let me invite you to make a special effort to be here on Wednesday at 6.30 or or before. We'll be starting that portion of it at 6.30 uh, for our time of praying, uh, specifically and especially for our church uh, as we begin this new year together. And we have one item of business to take care of. We uh, discussed our, our budget on Wednesday, and as we do, as our custom is, we discuss it at our business meeting on Wednesday and then vote on it on the following Sunday. So, Chris, if you would take us with our, as our moderator and uh, lead us through this portion. This is a special called business meeting for the purpose of a up or down vote on the budget, which you have in your bulletin. If you'll look on the back, you have the income and the um, summary items of expenses. Uh, it's been a very... Uh, difficult budget time. There's um, been a lot of sacrifices uh, sought, a lot of sacrifices uh, given to make this budget. It's a very realistic budget. Um, it unfortunately is still a negative uh, budget, a negative uh, cash flow, but uh, it is as realistic as I think can be made. So the church voted on Wednesday to submit this to you for a uh, up or down vote. And I'm going to give you a few more seconds to look at it and then call for the vote. All in favor of approving the church budget as, as submitted based upon the business meeting from last Wednesday signify by saying aye. aye. 
Any opposed by nay? And the motion carries. That's the only business, so this closes the business meeting. Let's stand for our benediction. O oh Lord, you are the one who breaks into our lives with new things. You make a way for us in the midst of a barren desert, and you have quenched our thirst for your word. You have delivered us from our troubles, and you blot out our transgressions for the sake of your holiness. You have touched us with the healing hand of your mercy, and we are glad to have been in your presence today, O oh God. And now we pray that we will follow you from this place into the workaday world in which we live and that we will be your hands of healing and love for others.